Welcome in, everyone, and thank you for listening to the 223rd ever episode of the Missouri Sports Podcast, brought to you by 106 Apparel and recording from the Revel Advertising Studio in beautiful Springfield, Missouri. I'm one of your hosts, Cameron Albert, alongside my good friend and fellow Mizzou fan, Kyle DeVries. How are you doing today, Kyle? I'm doing great, Cameron. How about you? I'm doing well. We got something to look forward to this weekend. Mm, it's it's uh, got a rivalry brewing. Mm. And we'll be there. We'll be there. That's the big announcement this week. We are going to be there for the border showdown. It's the announcement. Special announcement. Special alert. We are going to be in the building. I am. I can't even sit still, man. I'm so excited. You ever been to a Mizzou Kansas basketball game? I never have. Never have. Producer Cameron? No. None of us have been. Okay. So, what's the what's the most uh, hype? environment oh i guess we know the answer to that the most hype mizzou basketball environment i've been to was with you yes the iowa state game first game of the Conzo martin era michael porter jr we know how that went yeah but it was electric it was electric for that whole game yeah it was it was uh kevin purrier had an awesome game tillman that was tillman's first game ever super Mm. fun students were were into that yeah Yeah. there was fire it was it was loud yeah going to be it's hard to imagine a more electric atmosphere but it will be just yeah. no i think it'll be noticeably i don't know the buzz will be in the air yeah like how can they take it up a notch from that like they'll be like maybe literally someone will like eat a bird or something like <laughs> like will. a sacrifice a bird <laughs> yeah i feel like the like a uh, jayhawk the, yes the atmosphere around the iowa state game was like very excited mm-hmm. i feel like this, this one will be like hate and and like uh almost like a delirious yeah. uh frenzy mm. <laughs> yeah that's especially if we're that's like what i'm gonna be looking well. for anyway oh, yeah we're just gonna be yeah i'm i'm still i guess everything i'm imagining is like pre-game warm-ups and like announcing the teams and then like the first couple minutes mm. because it's in my nature to think bad things are gonna happen <laughs> And I know nothing bad can happen before tip-off. That's true. So that's when, in my head, that's when it's going to be crazy. At least like five minutes of of frenzy. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'm I'm with you. Forty minutes, we hope. Yeah. I'm I'm planning on forty minutes of frenzy. Me too. Um, we're going to talk about that game. Obviously, we're going to do a proper football season recap and talk about um, updated transfer targets and who's leaving the program before we get into all of that don't forget to subscribe on youtube leave us a review if you could you can also support us on patreon patreon.com slash missouri sports pod and talking about this kansas game it is going to be a tough one but the missouri tiger basketball team is nine and zero, which is everything we would have hoped for going into this matchup Give me your thoughts on the season so far leading into this pretty, I'm going to call it historic. Yeah, yeah. I kind of wish this was the first game against Kansas in the series. Obviously, we played last year. It almost feels like we didn't. And yeah, just forget about forget it. Forget about it. It didn't happen. I, I was not excited for the game when it happened, really. I mean, it was cool, I guess, but I, was, I knew what was going to happen, and what I thought was going to happen was exactly what did happen. So yeah, I wish this was the first one, but we're just going to pretend it is. I had forgotten about it, Kyle. Had you really? In my mind, this was the first You're one. You're kidding me. Okay, uh, yes, I'm going along with you. Okay. I believe you. And uh, anyways, the, my, th- my thoughts on the season, I think there's been some like national pundits kind of like refusing to buy the hype on Missouri a little bit because of their schedule, and that's that's fine. I guess that's somewhat reasonable. One of the worst so but far at, at, I mean, at the same time, though, I feel like this team, or Akonzo's team last year, would have probably tripped up against one of these teams somewhere. They, Absolutely. they would never have beaten Wichita State on the road. Absolutely. They were, you know, at least some of those games would have been like dangerously close, more so than they needed to be. I feel like Missouri has put away everybody, really. Um Wichita State would have gone on a 16-0 run against uh, Missouri last year. Except they would have been at the beginning of the game, and we never would have gotten back into it. Exactly. But the CMO game was like a little little bit stressful at the end. But for the most part, though, Missouri's put everybody away really how you would expect a good team would do. You know, they score in transition. They're they're just looking for every possible way to to slam it down your throat and to score 90-plus a game. So... It's been a really, really fun start to the season. 
Yeah, I feel like every episode I mention how many dunks Missouri has uh, dunked this year. Um, they're 49th in Kim Palm right now, so they did take a dip after not looking super impressive against SEMO, mostly on the defensive end. Um, offensively, though, everything has worked. I mean, there were stretches in the Wichita State game, but they still came back to score 88 points, although in overtime. But on Kim Palm right now, the Missouri Tigers have the 12th best offense, but the 125th best defense. Yeah, it's really even without Mosley making much of a difference this year, which I still think that will happen at some point. But yeah, Missouri's offense has just been phenomenal. Fourth fastest tempo in the country right now. A little surprising. Yeah, but that in itself has been so fun to watch. And honestly, like the way they're playing is like Mike Anderson style, Mm -hmm. like uh, fastest 40 minutes. Aggression. Yes, just incredibly aggressive on defense that reminds me of like um, West Virginia teams from years past that Missouri has played. And it's like so annoying to play against these teams because the refs aren't going to always call all the fouls and everything. Being on the good side of that is really fun. Mm -hmm. Uh, Missouri is third in the nation in effective field goal percentage offense and second in two-point field goal shooting percentage. So everything's clicking on offense, except we're not really getting to the free throw line very much. That's what happens when you have a lot of breakaway layups. True. You make a lot of shots. Um, Now, defensively, Missouri, the number one team in steal rate on defense number one team in the country fourth in turnover percentage defense they do give up a lot of offensive rebounds 329th in that stat so not the best yeah i think those are the two biggest concerns i have for as far as kind of like um regression whenever they start playing better teams is like they're not going to be able to get 10 plus steals a game like they have been against these 300 plus kim pom teams so you know how will we get baskets when we can't just rip it out of the other team's hands and get breakaway layups like 15 times a game um gonna have to be better in the half court and have to continue shooting well and, and get fouled and get to the free throw line it's gonna look a bit a little bit differently against better teams but and then of course yeah the rebounding is gonna be a problem we've, we've talked about that um any team with a capable big man it, it's gonna be a challenge and i think the thing that is going to have to get better uh for missouri to win games in conference play and some of these tougher non-conference games is their defense guarding three-point shots oh yeah it's it's been been pretty bad so far Mm -hmm. and uh yeah definitely below average there and they're making up for it somewhat with the steals and the fast break points and stuff like that but like that's exactly how you're saying that's going to be harder to come by against better teams than the those same teams making threes at the rate that Missouri's opponents have been, it's gonna it's gonna lead to losses. It's gonna be hard to overcome that. Um, we need to talk about Kansas though. This is a marquee matchup, and they are the defending champions. They are sixth in the uh, AP poll, eleventh on Kim Palm, twenty second on offense, fifteenth on defense. So well rounded. They're off to a hot start. They're eight and one. They beat Duke already this season by five. Um, they beat Wisconsin in overtime. Their only loss on the season was to Tennessee, who was like probably a top five team. Lost to them by 14 points. Overall, I, I actually wanted to spotlight Kansas's win over Southern Utah. Uh, Southern Utah is the number 169 team in Kempom. Kansas, that was a home game for Kansas. They only won by six. And the reason I wanted to point this out is because Southern Utah is the 10th fastest tempo team in the country, and they were able to score 76 points against Kansas. But Kansas scored 82. So I'm maybe looking at that game as sort of a blueprint that a team can speed up this Kansas team, uh, turn them over a little bit, and maybe get something done that way. Mm -hmm. What's their tempo again? Uh, Southern Utah is 10th. Uh, you want to know Kansas is? Mm-hmm. Kansas, 147. Okay. 
So just very middle of the road. Gotcha. Yeah, definitely an opportunity there. I do feel like, you know, there we just we just talked about how uh, the rebounding is going to be an issue if any teams we run into have like competent size on the inside is going to be a huge challenge. Um, but you know, I don't think Kansas necessarily presents presents that specific challenge. I think Missouri has a chance to match up really well with them guard-wise and um, not have a tremendous issue with them on the inside. So I think that's that's definitely something we have going for us that, uh, there. Yeah, um, to look at some of the top contributors for Kansas, we all know uh, Dewan Harris, the guard from Columbia. He's a junior this year, one of the best assist guys in the country. Um, he is like a prototypical high assist, high ball pressure defense point guard. He generates a lot of steals and sets up his teammates for easy buckets constantly. Um, They've got a sophomore forward, uh, KJ Adams, who reminds me a little bit of Kobe Brown in play style. He doesn't step out to the three-pointer, and he is a little bit undersized down low, so he's not like a traditional post player. He's just super athletic and... uh, just really high motor guy and just watching him on the court he's just like he's ripped like just physical specimen impressive but uh not don't compliment him too much (laughs) (laughs) um not the type of post player that i think is going to give missouri fits as Mm -hmm. far as rebounding and easy baskets but they kind of I feel like they're going to do okay if Missouri wants to speed up the game. I feel like they're going to be prepared for it at least. And guys like Adams running the floor, like big men that can get out in transition and finish, that's going to help Kansas a lot. And then they've got good shooters. Uh, Freshman Grady Dick uh, shoots 45% from three. And so, you know, he's going to be leaking out on in transition, finding the corner three. Uh, So, all of those guys can be issues. They have transfer guard from Texas Tech, Kevin McCuller. Um, he's an interesting player because I feel like he he plays like an NBA two guard, but is just kind of inconsistent. So he could go for 15 points, six rebounds, three assists, you know, just kind of fill in the stat sheet pretty well. But also he can go quiet and uh, get into a shooting slump. So, I don't know. It's just like high risk, high reward for this Kansas team, I feel like. Um, Their best player, I think by far, is uh, Jalen Wilson. He's probably going to be on a lot of people's player of the year, national player of the year list. He averages 22 points, nine rebounds, three assists per game, and shoots 36% from three. He's a stretch the floor four, basically. So I think it'll be really fun seeing how Missouri matches up with these guys on defense. And just looking down the starting lineup, I feel like, honestly, Grady Dick is going to be maybe the toughest guy for Missouri to cover on defense because we've mm-hmm. shown that we're going to give up open threes. Yeah, he makes half his threes already as yeah. it is. Yeah. and. Yeah, I mean, this is far and away the best shooting team Missouri has faced this year. I mean, they haven't even... If Wichita State is the best team you've played so far and their, like, three-point shooting is probably, like, sub-250 Ken Palm or something, like... And we made them look good at that. Yes, so I, that's certainly a concern in this game is I'm, I'm afraid Kansas is going to shoot 60% from three in this game. Um, and Grady Dick is averaging, like, 15 a game. So, he, I mean, he he's going to shoot, and he's going to shoot a lot. Yeah, one thing that Kansas doesn't do well is shoot free throws or, or get to the line uh, too often, so that works in Missouri's favor. Mm-hmm. And we know Missouri has enough guys to just kind of throw at the problem. Yeah. Um, you know, it's it's not going to be, you know, being at home and having enough guys to rotate in and out, you wouldn't think fouls are going to be too big of an issue, but... Um, if we do get in the bonus early, hopefully Kansas is bad. Uh, free throw shooting comes into play there. That would be helpful. It's going to take, I think Missouri, if both of these teams are at their best, then I think Kansas is capable of scoring point for point with Missouri and their defense is enough to hold Missouri to like 
65 points. I mean, mm-hmm. if if both of these teams are playing their very best, probably Kansas wins this game like 65 to 70. However, and that's probably like a neutral court situation that mm-hmm. I'm picturing. This game's at home for Missouri. The crowd's going to be insane. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, this Kansas team is really talented, but there are some intangibles in play here for sure. Um, just, I mean, the one one big thing is how much they've lost from from last year's team. I mean, obviously, they're defending national champions. I don't know that they're in the national championship picture right now with this team, and maybe that changes. I don't know, but I, I personally don't see it. Um, they were just really experienced, really talented last year, and they lost like four of the five starters from that team, basically. So... Um, I think there's a lot of new guys who have never seen an environment like they're going to see on Saturday, which is is awesome. But I def I think you could almost say that about the Missouri guys too. I mean, obviously we're going to be cheering for them, but I I think they could almost be jarring for both teams. Yeah, where it's just going to be so freaking loud, yeah. and it's just going to be chaos in that building when anything happens, good right. or bad, probably. So. I think the emotions and uh, nerves are going to be probably in play for both teams. And so who played – so only Kobe, Caleb, and Ronnie DeGray played in this game last year Mm -hmm. in Lawrence. So they got to see that environment from the other side. I'm sure that was pretty crazy. And I'm sure the coaching staff uh, for both teams have been educating the team on what this game means and, like – the history of it and all but more practically for saturday what the building is going to be like yeah no way to dissimulate it though really right i mean yeah you have to like if you're kansas you gotta be like remember how fun that was playing against playing in front of our fans in this matchup it's going to be that but bad (laughs) (laughs) yeah and i mean yeah when they see somebody bite the head off a bird they're gonna be shaking in their boots i promise just yeah you know and just like when he pours the blood all over himself yeah i'm assuming a man's gonna do that it could be most likely and his name's kyle devries yeah like jayhawk's not even a real bird so i don't know what we're gonna do on that but we'll find something put shoes on a chicken (laughs) buckled shoes at that and kyle's just like we're just like three rows from the top of the arena like nobody no one sees, sees him <laughs> no one sees it but i it's just like, i know it's gonna help the team like spiritually somehow yeah i feel like that would backfire probably um i mean there's no chance i'm not predicting a mizzou win in this game yeah so let's think about what that actually looks like what does missouri have to do to win this game they have to this has got to be an 80 possession game, yeah. I think. Got to get up and down the floor. We're going to give up open looks. We're going to give up uh, runouts the other way, Yeah, trying to play this way. Yeah, honestly, like I feel like the biggest thing that's got to happen in Missouri's favor is it's a bad shooting day for Kansas, whether that's the crowd or, or whatever it is. We basically just have to pray that Kansas shoots worse than they'd usually do. And Missouri's three-point defense is better than it has been. Even just a slow start for Kansas, because I feel like Missouri, probably both teams are going to struggle shooting from deep early. And so they're probably, both teams are going to be looking to get the ball inside and just get some easy baskets in transition mm-hmm. to kind of settle everybody down. Mm-hmm. Which could play in Missouri's favor. Right. I have a feeling, though, that Kansas is going to think that they can just play Missouri's game and still win that way. And I hope they try to do that and are unsuccessful basically i think if if kansas tries to slow the game down and sort of manage it a little bit more then i don't i don't think that'll work i would be surprised if if this goes perfectly for kansas and we get that like 70 to 65 game i would be pretty surprised by that Mm -hmm. it's not out of the question but i think that would maybe cause me to rethink the how good this Missouri team can be. Mm-hmm. If Missouri is dictating the tempo and everything, and it's just neck and neck the whole way, then that basically shows us Missouri can play with anybody with this style of play. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely think Missouri's style of play makes them susceptible to the big runs and everything where, you know, we've seen it a few times already this this year where they get cold, but they're still playing fast. Mm-hmm. They're just running down and missing shots. Like the other team can just score 10 points in like two minutes. Yeah. 
So that's what happens when you play that style. I mean, we saw the same thing in the Mike Anderson uh, era. It's like you're never out of it, but then the other team's never out of it either. Never safe. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like they just have to have the mental fortitude fortitude to know that if Kansas goes on a big run and takes a, a 10 point lead or something like that, they can they can quickly get back in it, though. So I hope that they keep fighting to the end, which they did against Wichita State. Yeah. Um, Des Moines Hodge shooting threes, I think, is going to be huge. I think, like, already three times this year, he's made four or more threes in a game. Uh, I think Wichita State, he was, like, four for 11, maybe. Let me look it up. Uh, I think his three-point shooting is going to be huge. Yeah, four for 11 against Wichita State, three for seven against SEMO, and... Uh, four times this year he has uh, made four threes in a game. I feel like we have to see more Mosley in this game, right? I, I mean, we just don't know what's going on. Really. Yeah. It's, it clearly seems like there's some behind-the-scenes stuff going on. Don't really know what, whether it's basketball-related or, or personal life stuff. We don't know. But I just think we ha- if we're going to win the game, I think we got to see more Mosley. I don't know. I've seen – I feel like if Hodge can – make some threes if sean east is getting to the basket getting the free throw line like he has been yeah sean east has been playing incredible he's basically been filling the role of like the past two games he's been doing what i thought mosley was going to be doing just kind of like iso like just i'm better than you kind of stuff his instincts for like when he's even after i made basket in transition and he can just kind of read the situation Mm -hmm. and know like i'm just going to get to the rim here and make a layup versus slowing it down or pulling it back out yeah it's like one of those things where you're like no 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 no. oh yes yes yeah (laughs) yeah yeah. at this point it's like i just trust him to make the call basically Mm because he's right almost every time and i feel so good about being in close games um in close games down the stretch big moments i feel like he's ready uh noah carter's ready to knock down a shot um Nick Honors ready to knock down a shot. Yeah, those guys look really comfortable. Yes. Like nine games in on a completely new team. Yes. And I'm really excited to see Trey Gomillion with the hype and everything going into this game. I feel like he could be huge on defense. Hmm. Yeah. I don't know. I don't think we necessarily – we don't need Mosley to win this game. I think we've seen that the, this Missouri team is good enough without him to play with anybody. It sure would be nice for him to see an efficient 25 minutes, you know, 12, 13 points or more out of him would be. I think they've been saving him for this moment. I'm just joking. I don't think that's a real thing, but that is a theory that I've seen. Yeah, just, I don't know. That secret weapon. Yeah. I think they know about him, though. Yeah, there's there's (laughs) something about maybe him on offense just not gelling with the the scheme or something yeah that just not quite clicking yet but it feels good knowing that that's not working so far we have not seen what we expected there and missouri's still nine and oh all right i think it's official prediction time dennis gates get gets hired at missouri and he's like all right let's check out who their rivals are and he's like oh the defending national champion <laughs> yeah. nice okay illinois oh, he like knew. a top yeah. top 10 team oh nice yeah no, that, I think that coaching staff, they they knew what they were getting into. And I feel like that, I, I don't know how early this non-conference slate was scheduled, but I, knowing that Kansas and Illinois were on the schedule, it was like, okay, let's put as many 300-level teams in there as you possibly can. Yeah, yeah. their their next like month is a gauntlet. So yeah, and I remember... Uh, I'm thankful for that 9-0 start. I remember CY in an interview saying like, there's never an easy enough schedule in my opinion (laughs) like there's never enough cupcakes on the schedule um okay you ready for official predictions i'm I'm thinking missouri missouri controls the tempo they go through some slumps but they fight back out of it it's close down to the wire i think missouri wins this game 83 to 79 four point game i like it i'll take that 100 out of 100 times i think this game starts off kind of ugly like we talked about earlier just all the all the intangibles going on i think is just going to be distracting for the first five or ten minutes of this thing it's going to be 
it's going to be ugly. But I think um, second half, Missouri settles in. They kind of force the, the tempo, make Kansas speed up a little bit. They hit some shots. I think they win 74-71. Who's your leading scorer from Missouri? Uh, give me Noah Carter. 19. Oof. I think Hodge. Splash home the threes. I think it's going to be balanced for Missouri. Balanced scoring. Don't worry about who's getting the shots. Get it to the open guy. Mm-hmm. Make some baskets. Can you imagine beating Kansas in that, in, the, in that atmosphere? I want it. I need it. My body's ready. I think Grady Dick going to have a good game, though. I think he could go off for, like, five made threes. He's going to keep him in it. We're getting a win. Um, everybody's been posting about the, the rivalry mm-hmm. and uh, just posting old memories and stuff. Obviously, um, the Marcus Denman game, oh, all that sure. stuff. And, of course, from the Kansas side, they're posting videos from the win in Lawrence where Phil Pressey got blocked slash fouled, fouled yes. at the end of regulation, I yep, think. 2012, yeah. Mm. Yeah, I mean, it's just... This is just going to be a, another installment in the lore that is this rivalry, and it's kind of, I don't know, it's its meaningful, just kind of resuming what was dormant for a decade. And yeah, and just, it's like seeing an old friend again, but that's, like, I feel like everybody's embracing the rivalry mm-hmm. just like it never went away. Right. Like, it's like, this is supposed to be happening. Yes, it feels right. Yes, and... uh yeah, to to get a win and to, and to see it in person is something I think we will remember till the till the day we die. Mm. That's what I'm talking about. All right, uh, leave your predictions in the comments, or if you got a, a nice story from from the uh, Mizzou Kansas rivalry over the years, let us know in the comments. And we are going to move on to football. Uh, before we recap the whole season and give our thoughts, uh, we have a couple transfer updates. Um, Hyron White, uh, offensive lineman out of the Mizzou program. He had been injured this year, but uh, was the starter before he got injured. And uh, so he's not coming back. Yeah, I'm a little curious about that one. Sounded like they were going to apply for a medical red shirt with him since he missed the season. Um, but he is going to be a grad transfer um, I know Armand Mimbu was playing really well for a true freshman at right tackle, and so don't know if felt if Iron White felt like there was some some competition there or what. Who knows? There could be a million things going on, but yeah. he's gonna he's gonna be playing somewhere else. Uh, anybody any transfers out? I think we talked about everybody last week, so I think that's ten total transfers out. Yeah, sounds like they're expecting maybe ten, maybe like fifteen ish total. Um, we may not have any more really until after the bowl game, but or maybe even spring ball. It's it's possible guys may not like where they are on the depth chart, that kind of stuff. So, but for now, I think the the biggest wave is probably over at this point. Now, as far as players who have transferred from other schools that Missouri might be looking at, um, the drama has already started to begin with the quarterback position. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was the Pittsburgh quarterback who was rumored to maybe have a connection with Missouri. There's the NC State quarterback who was there when Drinkwitz was the offensive coordinator and he recruited him to mm-hmm. some extent. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's, you know, I th- last week, week we were kind of talking about it, like kind of will Missouri make a play at a quarterback um, and what that kind of means for the current room. You know, I think you can kind of tell based on the quality of offer sometimes, like is this a Jack Abraham type ad, kind of a depth ad? Or is this someone to come in and, and win the job? Because I think that those are two very different additions uh, to like your locker room and then the the morale that is that's going on. Are like, are we going to have a quarterback competition with three guys potentially? Um, we're probably going to find that out um, pretty soon here. But yeah, Missouri has definitely been looking at a couple of quarterbacks. You mentioned Keaton uh, Slovis. Mm-hmm. He started his career at USC. Um, in California it was was good there had some really good wide receivers that he was throwing to transferred to Pitt and then uh, there was like a rumor that came out pretty uh, pretty much immediately when the transfer portal opened a few days ago that uh, Phil Jerkovic from Boston College was going to transfer to Pitt 
and Slovic was or Slovis. I'm sorry, was going to transfer to Missouri. Mm-hmm. Well, the first part of that happened. Phil Jerkovic transferred from Boston College, immediately committed to Pitt, uh, and Slovis is still looking for where he's going to go. But it definitely seemed like Missouri was very involved there. Could still be. Um, and then you mentioned um, Leary, Devin Leary, mm-hmm. who was who's been the quarterback at NC State. He's been there for four years. Um, had a really, really productive junior season, threw for like 3,500 yards or something like that, 30-something touchdowns. Mm-hmm. Um, 35 very, touchdowns, only five interceptions. Very much a pocket passer for sure, but um, really talented, like arm talent for sure. And, yeah, Drinkwitz was the OC when he was being recruited, and I think he was there maybe even his redshirt freshman year. So clearly they, they know each other, and I think even in a press conference, uh, Drinkwitz kind of uh, acknowledged that he knew he was in the transfer portal and stuff. So I'm sure Missouri's taken a, a hard look at both of those guys. Yeah. Um, but I mean, we're having similar conversations to last offseason where what type of quarterback, I mean, you alluded to that, or is it there's – no matter you if even if you bring in leary there's still question marks and conversations with cook horn and whoever else you bring in all the way up until week one or unless the coaching staff is like publicly announces something so they're gonna have to add someone i think because obviously jack abraham he is 40 years old and is graduating and uh, i think i think he's physically not allowed to be on college campuses anymore (laughs) Yeah, it's a crime now. <laughs> uh, and uh, Tyler Macon is transferring. So they've got literally Brady Cook, Sam Horn, and Jabari Johnson coming yeah. in as, you know, two of those guys are, are freshmen, basically. So um, you're going to have to add somebody. It's just who is it going to be and what what kind of experience do they have? Because if you're adding a, a Keaton uh, Slovis or a Devin Leary, the expectation, I'm sure, from their party is I'm coming in to win the job. Yeah, and it's just going to feel so – it's going to feel like deja vu. It's going to feel like I'm repeating myself when I when it's like, okay, and you're not – if from Missouri's standpoint, you're not guaranteeing these guys the starting job. There's right. just no Which reason to. And it's probably why one of these two guys hasn't already committed. Because exactly. Because I'm sure if the if the job was, was super open, then I bet we would have already had one of these two guys. It would have been that straightforward. And it seems like – I mean, what we saw last year was there's teams just kind of waiting in the wings like that LSU, the way they went about things with Daniels was like, as soon as stuff started heating up between him and Mizzou, LSU swooped in and the conversation was over. So there's still a long way to go. And you got to expect Leary at least to have a lot of suitors calling, calling on him. Yeah. It sounds like, uh, Illinois is a player for him as well. I think his brother plays there. Hmm. Um, another big name that announced he had a Mizzou offer in the transfer portal is a uh, former Vanderbilt running back, Ramon Davis, thousand yard rusher this past season, mm-hmm. multiple hundred yard games, kind of a similar situation with running back. It's like kind of a lot of question marks in that room. Um, you know, C- Cody Schrader's coming back Divorce Jones is kind of a, a rising freshman who's going to be involved. Elijah Young is there but has never really made an impact so you you got some bodies there but you kind of need to add somebody and we'll see what happens there okay anything else transfer related that we need to touch on that's pretty much it oh i forgot to say um dj coleman has uh said he's gonna go the nfl route he's gonna start he's gonna uh forego the um the bowl game i see i see uh go to the nfl okay good luck to him uh, speaking of the bowl game, I thought we should talk about that a little bit. Mizzou is going to play Wake Forest in the Gasparilla Bowl in Tampa, Florida. Gasparilla Bowl. Gasparilla. What is that, Kyle? I ask you. I literally have no idea. What does that mean, Gasparilla? Sarsaparilla? Nope, nothing to do with Sarsaparilla. Totally different. I don't know. Uh, I'll tell you. Okay. Uh, I read this, and I, I'm not even going to – I'm going to try to do it off the top of my head. Gasparilla is some kind of – Tampa based club basically okay that uh is just about city spirit and they dress up as pirates and they do events to just get everybody happy to be in Tampa like a buccaneer exactly like a buccaneer that's literally the greatest thing I've ever heard of that's what they do I guess so they're they do the bowl game 
How did they come up with the funds for that? Well, they have had sponsors in the past. So it was the Beefo Brady or something like that. Gasparilla Bowl at one point. And now Tom Brady's there, so they couldn't use his name. Exactly. <laughs> this is the Tom Brady Gasparilla Bowl. <laughs> um, the Gasparilla Bowl has had, you know, big name sponsors in the past, but currently it's just the Gasparilla Bowl. That's definitely one that kind of eludes me whenever I'm thinking of this, like, level of bowl games. Yeah. You, know? you don't think of the Gasparilla that's Bowl? That's not one that usually I'm like, oh, man, I would love to go there. Okay, so that's the Gasparilla Bowl for you. Okay. Now... There was all controversy. It was controversy city on Twitter for like three days because Mizzou football was scared to play Kansas in the Liberty Bowl. What are your thoughts on that, Kyle? I don't know. Yeah, I, I agree with you. It was kind of exhausting. And I'm not sure that we that, that even happened. It, it very well could have. That Missouri was like, yeah, we're good. We, we, we'll play you guys in, in two years. Yeah. We want to sell tickets for that. We don't want to resume this like – this pretty large uh, rivalry uh, in a meaningless bowl situation yeah. and not be able to make any profit from it. And, yeah, if you're, uh, if you're meeting in the college like, football playoff, that's a, it's a sure, little bit different. Of course. Yeah. And like we have all these players who are not going to be on our team that have been here all season long, yes. and you had your best year ever. Congratulations, yes. you won six games. Like it's Coach just, Drink said, uh, you, you know, you haven't been to a bowl in 12 years. You might have, you might not understand how this works anymore, but. You don't just say, we want to play Mizzou, and then that's what happens. Yeah, I'm sure the Liberty Bowl would have loved that. Yeah. But it just uh, didn't make sense. It was and it was like, just so many bad takes on Twitter about this. Yeah. And, I'm like, obviously I'm biased from the Mizzou perspective, but. And I, I would have been fine to play. Like, if sure. that was the matchup, yeah. sure. I'm, I'm excited. I could get up for it. Give me Kansas. That's fine. But I from it from an administrative uh, point of view, from, like, yeah. the AD, yeah. it makes total sense why they were just like, yeah, we're good. Yeah. And it, I, it probably didn't even come down to that like so directly. Yeah. But like you guys even if Kansas it, now we're good, it probably yeah. didn't happen like that. Right. I don't know. I would rather I would rather play Wake Forest. I think that's a more. I mean, as far if I'm being completely honest, I would have liked to play Kansas sure. in a bowl game. Of course, that would have been very fun. That would have been fun. But I can also, like you're saying, understand that all the nuance and dynamics that go into it. This is probably the more correct choice. I can understand why it did not happen. Yeah. And I'm And, and there was I, just so many people that, you know, like reputable sports people on Twitter. Like just Barstool like, Sports. <laughs> the the reputable institution Barstool Sports. They were making drama about they this. Were. Can you believe it? I I can't. I, I can't feel like there was a pretty big based on time. Nothing. There was a fairly big time writer that I can't even think of off the top of my head that was like fanning yeah. the flames. Yes, he's the one that's, that's where the entire report came yes. from. And I know who exactly you're talking about. Yeah. And can't think of his name. And so it's just like, what? Like, yeah. But it was just like a no lose situation for that type of person. Yeah. Is like, I'll just make this a big thing. I'll get lots of retweets and lots of clicks. And then nobody will be thinking about this five days from now yeah that's exactly what happened and what's like uh, i guess what's frustrating is like it's there are so many reasons why missouri could legitimately refuse the game if that's if that's something they're able to even do like there are just a lot of reasons that make sense for them to refuse the game without it being like we're afraid and when you got the gasparilla bowl sitting there seriously i mean you ever been to tampa you ever dressed up as like as a pirate I'm, I kind of want to go join the Gasparillas and just promote Tampa. Me too. Um, and it's I, it's legitimately fun to play an ACC team. A team you've never played. Yeah. Literally, awesome. there, I think there's only like five Power 5 teams Missouri's never played, and Wake Forest is one of them. Yeah. So now we get to research them a little bit for next week's yeah, show. Yeah, it sounds like they're like really – like star quarterback is going to play. Mm. So that's – you know. Okay. Hope you all are not wanting to win this game. <laughs> Well, we'll see. We'll get yeah. there. Yeah, we'll see. I haven't even looked at their situation at all. They had so. a, they've had a weird season. Yeah. They some ups and downs. They Did they uh, maybe play Vanderbilt early in the season? Yes, and they, they beat them soundly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay, Wake Forest. Yeah, I got, yeah, I got yeah, it. Yeah. Anyway. Demon Deacon. Oh, yeah. You know, basketball, storied history. Absolutely. Football, not so much. True. Um. Yeah, that's all the bowl game drama. We're playing Wake Forest. It'll be fun. A little demonic. Demon Deacon. Yeah. Demon Deacon. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, 
let's move on to a general recap and give our thoughts on the football season now that it's uh, over everything's over except the bowl game um i want to first congratulate you kyle on some predictions from our season preview prediction episode you said that kentucky would have a down year compared to last year be good but not great you picked missouri to win that game which they basically should have pretty much did and you said watch out for tennessee to break out and be second in the east and you predicted a close win for mizzou against arkansas preseason awesome you predicted i think correctly that the sec east would be strong top to bottom and we did see vanderbilt uh, upset a few people late you did predict a seven and five regular season finish and i predicted six and six uh producer cameron i was gonna see if we can incorporate a clip from that episode because kyle just really basically explains what to expect <laughs> he's like at the end of the season this like be ready for this and it was like just <laughs> i have no memory of exactly what correct this is gonna be um if you it's episode 208 mm-hmm. and it's one hour 10 minutes and like 20 seconds ish and if you want to think about how we can incorporate that i can give you a minute you got you gotta i know should have planned this <laughs> I could just play it like and hold it up to the microphone from my phone. I'll see what I can find first. Okay. We'll move on from that for now. Um, okay. So congratulations to you on all your predictions. Oh, thank you. Yeah, congratulations to you on your 6-6 six and six prediction. Yeah. Well, and I wish your it, perfect score of Arkansas, 29 to 27. Uh, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I wish uh, it had been better than 6-6. Six and six. Um, So give me your, give me your off-the-top thoughts on the season – uh, with that in mind that we kind of basically predicted pretty close to how it would go. Yeah, well, I, th- I would I, if I had to guess what you're talking about and what I said preseason was we very well might end up at like six and six and be disappointed, but there's going to be nuances involved as far as like how we got there. And because that's basically exactly what happened. It was like six and six. If you're just looking at that record, it's like, yeah, that's we expected better than that. And it's a little disappointing, but the way we got there was like uh, was was exciting because we got better as the season went on brady cook got better as the season went on he's kind of put himself in a position now that we're thinking he might not just be a placeholder for this year um you know there's 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 things that we that we liked that went on as the season progressed and and like you talked about uh when we played arkansas was i would much rather get to six and six like we did than they did yeah and so that's kind of where we're at is like I liked some things I saw this year, um, record-wise, though, a little bit disappointing. Okay, so you mentioned Brady Cook um, and his strong finish to the season. So I broke it down. The first seven games of the season, Missouri was 3-4. and four. Brady Cook had passed for 1,400 yards, six touchdowns, seven interceptions. That's about just over 200 yards per game passing. And he had rushed for at that point after seven games 162 yards and two touchdowns so he is producing 227 yards of offense after seven games per game has eight total touchdowns and seven interceptions the last five games of the season missouri goes three and two brady cook has a thousand yards passing seven touchdowns no interceptions and then 385 yards on the ground and four touchdowns. Yeah. So that's an a- average of 293 yards per game total with 11 touchdowns, zero interceptions. Yeah. Dramatic improvement as far as his decision-making, his ability to throw downfield, and most importantly, probably his ability to to run and to make things happen on the and ground. And the play calling giving him the opportunity to run. Yeah. It that did, happened more. I was, yeah, that's a good point. Is the I think the play calling improved too, yeah. and that might not have been fully Coach Drinkwitz. Right. So Brady Cook, for the season, 65% completion percentage, 2,500 yards passing, 13 touchdowns, 7 interceptions. 
um, four, 547 yards rushing, six touchdowns. So that's 3,000 yards, 19 total touchdowns, seven interceptions on the season. I think maybe two fumbles lost, one fumble lost. I can't remember. So if yeah, you told me those numbers at the beginning of the season, sign me up. Yeah, I mean, we were talking about Anthony Richardson yeah. in the Discord a little bit. He's, the, he's transferring from Florida. Well, or Florida quarterback who's declared for the NFL draft. Yep, yep. And you look at his numbers. I mean, obviously, these are a little bit different cases because he's clearly a very athletic guy with a high ceiling. But, yeah. um, I mean, literally had like 50 more rushing yards, like 30 more passing yards than, or something like that than Brady Cook had on the season. So, um, you know, Brady Cook is right there with a lot of the SECs, uh, like stats-wise. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so uh, – I can't. And he got sacked 22 times. I yeah. think the offensive line wasn't doing him any, any favors. Now I will say that they their improvement was part of going three and two over the last five games. Mm-hmm. But we haven't seen the breast the the breast Brady Cook because we haven't seen Let Brady Cook right exactly because we haven't seen him behind a, mm-hmm. a you know a above average offensive line yeah i will say he had to play like the defense was incredible the first half of the year yeah. and was actually when he when brady cook was better the defense was not as good so he yeah. had to kind of grapple with that a little bit mm-hmm. what do you think uh will you turn on these two things i don't I know if it's the lnr i don't know if it'll let me while we're recording Ooh. it won't well no dice then. okay i'll just try to play it from my phone man all that for nothing <laughs> good effort good effort we appreciate you <laughs> all right uh talk about the running backs for a sec uh okay yeah Cody i've Schrute. got it queued up if you want me to oh, just okay. play it from my sure computer yeah just crank the volume So this is me talking about yes. the football team preseason. Yes. Okay. It's good. Don't worry. Okay. Wait, what was the mark? Uh, like one ten twenty. Yes. Okay. Lie on floor. Oh no. Oh, talking about running backs. Okay. Talk about running backs. Okay. I'm. I'll admit. Um, preseason. One thing I got totally, totally wrong was the impact Cody Schrader was going to have on the team. Yep. Um. I mean, just imagine like you heard it literally every game that Missouri played from the broadcast like the journey that he had from the level that he was playing at is just absolutely unprecedented so I was not buying that Cody Schrader was going to be involved especially considering we had Elijah Young who I thought was kind of was going to be the rising star of the room potentially and we went out and got Nate Pete exactly to come in and so it seemed like we had our bases covered there yeah. and then Cody Schrader came in and kind of stole the show was basically the the number one back for most of the year so um credit to him for just continuing to to do what he does and he's coming back next year as well give it a try I just want to like program this in our brains for you know four months down the road when Missouri you know wins six games and every you know it, when you just look at the number, yeah, that's kind of disappointing. But when you when you consider the nuances involved, it's just gonna, it's going to be a challenging season schedule wise. And somehow it could be it could be even worse. So like we could be playing Alabama uh, as our West team, and we're playing Auburn in a down year instead. Like somehow this this schedule could actually be worse. I think you nailed it. It was a challenging schedule that could have actually been harder. And just like what you were saying, looking back and saying, ah, six and six, that's not very fun. I mean, you basically gave the same sentiment. Uh, what you c- correctly predicted what you had said previously. <laughs> yeah. Uh, like doing like inception here. Of, <laughs> of, um, but yeah, I mean, it's true. I mean, we, we knew who our opponents were going to be, before, you know, in the summer we were, we were playing Auburn, we're playing this team, this team. But when we really looked at, okay, what teams are we playing at home and away, it was like, those toss-up games that we really need to win to have a special season or to get to eight, nine wins were on the road. And it was just like, man, when you look at this game by game, it's really tough to predict a season that's better than seven wins. And that's basically exactly what happened. Missouri had a ton of really close games, had some insane weird losses. And I feel like 
by the end of the year, I mean, if, if Missouri was as good as they were against Arkansas the whole year, they'd probably do win eight games. Yeah. Well, it's crazy to look at the SEC now. I was looking through all the SEC bowl matchups, and, you know, if, like, if Cody Schrader scores against Georgia and the and and Kentucky doesn't get a first down out of that punt situation Pete doesn't fumble in the end zone against Auburn that's three that's nine wins that like easily at least one of those could have very easily yeah two of those were really really close right so like I'm looking at South Carolina who had the huge win over Tennessee like we were so close to that level of a thing against Georgia so you get Georgia and Auburn or Kentucky, you're sitting there with eight wins. We're ranked in the top 25 playing Notre Dame in a bowl game. That's what South Carolina's doing. It's I just, didn't even know that. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, South Carolina's 19th and playing Notre Dame in a bowl game. And we smoked them. Yeah. <laughs> and we were, you know, inches in – we were two yards total in those three games from those being wins. Yeah, that's how crazy thin the margin for error is. I don't know if I should be happy or sad about what we just discussed there, but it's it is a little depressing. But also, you can think, yeah. you know, one of these times we're gonna have that yeah. season. Yeah, we're gonna have the regression where it's it's the other way around. But it's why it's kind of silly, and we're gonna do it every year. Um, but it's why it's a little bit silly to sit here and be like. Well, if we go six and six, that'll be a little disappointing. But if we win seven games instead of six, then I won't want to fire the coach. Right. You know, it's just, and we do it every year, and yeah. that's fine. Like, there's really no reason not to, just to talk about it. But there's just so much that happens in a season. There's injuries, and there's weird events, and there's bad officiating, and there's just so many millions of things that can happen that can shape your opinion of of, the, of what happened and whether it was it was justified and. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I feel like um, we're this. We have more. We have more players to talk about and stuff. But I don't want to get off this train of thought. It is very much what Coach Drinkwitz was talking about in that press conference recently about the momentum behind the program and you know the a team can go from six and six to eight wins. We just showed so easily. Mm-hmm. Some of those toss-up games are at home next year. The same thing. I mean, you are not that much further away from 10 wins. And I don't think very many people predicted Kansas State's season that they had. That's true. In the beginning of the year. And they showed who they were against Missouri. Yeah. Yeah, I think a lot of times, and kind of going off the rails here a little bit, but especially in college football it seems like teams fizzle out like at the end of the year like a lot like really good teams are just like yep we lost a game or two Uh, we're not going to meet the goals that we had tennessee and we're just going to not be as good anymore or maybe injuries obviously play a huge part in college football Mm -hmm. too so i feel like it's so incredibly beneficial just to be that team that gets better throughout the year that just keeps trying as hard as they can every game it's almost impossible not to win six games if you're just like improving and, and trying yeah. legitimately playing your best every game and that's what Missouri did this year and honestly that's one thing I got to hand it to Brady Cook that's one thing I love about him he clearly wants to win as bad as anyone out there he's not going to let this team you know stop caring about the season yeah and I think that's what we've seen so far from coach Drinkwitz is he is instilling that attitude in the team I mean the first year was weird at the end of the year with COVID and rescheduled games and everything like that i'll give him a pass on that one but second like year two year three even with the obstacles and stuff i mean we saw the defensive turnaround in year two we saw the team not quit in year three and you know win a rivalry game so i all of that stuff is very promising to me um we left off talking about the running backs and how schrader just kind of made the job his and wouldn't let it let it go basically Mm -hmm. um 157 attempts rushing for 691 yards and eight touchdowns for him and then brady cook your second leading rusher on the season over 500 yards and six touchdowns and then pete basically matching his previous career high with 95 rushes for 400 yards and two touchdowns and unfortunately elijah young has the same rushing stat line for the season as Luther Burden. 
Yeah. It's not necessarily something I wanted to be able to say at the end of the season. Yeah, a little bit of a question mark. And then uh, moving on to receivers, uh, Dominic Lovett, 56 receptions, uh, 850 yards, fourth in the SEC, three touchdowns. Yeah, obviously I'm a little frustrated with uh, with how that story has gone recently, but obviously Lovett was the the number one breakout candidate that we talked about. You know, preseason he, he was a talented freshman. He had a good freshman year, and uh, kind of fit the mold for a guy that was going to break out, and he definitely did that and more. Barrett Bannister, 37 receptions, 408 yards. And then Luther Burden, 38 receptions, 329 yards, and six receiving touchdowns. Mm-hmm. Plus two rushing and a punt return. Yep. So, yeah, Luther Burden. Nine total touchdowns for the true freshman. Yeah. I, I feel like he had a – his season was pretty close to what we expected. Um, I feel like we were kind of setting the over-under around like 500 receiving yards, and uh, you predicted that he would be under that. I said easy under. Yeah. And I actually went back and listened. I wrote down I, – I put actual numbers on it. Um, I predicted – I was giving my thoughts on like what his career progression would look like to be a success, like a huge success at Mizzou. Mm-hmm. And I said that that, I, that would start with something like – 30 receptions for 260 yards and four touchdowns yeah and he was better than that this year yep but not insanely better like 38 329 and six Mm -hmm. but yeah surpassed my expectations with just his like basically sheer will to get in the end zone seriously yeah he his his physicality is unlike anything i've seen in a wide receiver really in a long time if ever at mizzou and uh, I mean, look at what Dominic Lovett did his freshman year. Doesn't even touch what Luther Burden did this year. Yeah. So, absolutely, Luther Burden. Everything about his profile fits a huge jump next year. And the number one receiver position just opened up. Yep. <laughs> yep. So, uh, absolutely, great things in store for Luther Burden, just like we we thought would be the case. Um, preseason, we did talk about Chance Looper, and then he missed the season because mm-hmm. of illness. So we'll see what happens with him. Hopefully he can bounce back from that and be able to play again. And uh, filling in with his uh, absence and other injuries throughout the season, we did mention uh, Makai Miller being a guy that could step up and see a little bit of playing time, and he did. And he performed admirably in his spots and some really big spots. Yeah, yeah, he's a guy I'm super excited about going forward. Um, Harrison Mevis on the season, perfect on extra points, 31 to 31. Only 21 of 27 on field goals. Little bit of a down year for him compared to what we've seen previously. Felt like a lot of his makes were 50 plus. So yeah, I wanted to point out he was four for six from 50 plus. Wow. And also four for six from 20 to 29 yards. There's an important kick in there somewhere. Yeah. One of those misses. Yeah. So I'd really like to see him six for six. 20 to 29 yards but i don't know i i don't feel like we're it's like can we even argue can we even complain about that's what i'm like not really but not quite yet yeah i don't want to get there is he coming back next year yeah i think so i think got one year left i think so yeah he'd probably go pro if he wanted to right now potentially probably as good as some nfl kickers (laughs) probably (laughs) if he was uh if his only misses on the season were from 50 plus he might consider it seriously uh, some NFL teams though are going to be like, yeah, you got to be automatic under 30. That's very true. Uh, and then uh, last but not least, the defense um, exceeded my expectations as a as a whole unit. Oh, yeah. Uh, defensive line, probably more than any other position group, uh, honestly blew me away. Yep. Um, Isaiah McGuire with seven sacks, Coleman with five and a half, and, and Martez Manuel coming in with four sacks. Yep. Yeah, when we previewed the defense kind of, unit by unit in the preseason it was like okay we're really hyping these guys up they better follow through uh and they did that for sure and you know we knew they had talent they had experience (laughs) there they got old quickly in the transfer portal and uh isaiah mcguire like had a great season last year and and followed up with a maybe even a better one so he's he's gonna be playing on sundays next year for sure uh your tackle leaders on the season jalen carlise with 72 uh tyron hopper with 65 Mm -hmm. and joseph charleston with 52 yeah two just fantastic additions uh, that were just immediate contributors hopper and charleston for sure would love to see both of them return next year yes, i think please. charleston is is for sure returning yeah. uh passes defended chris abrams drain with 13 and rake straw with 12 jalen carlise with four 
So we talked about that last week a little bit. Just no they kind zone. of quietly were shutting guys down. Yeah. And then uh, Dalen Carnell with three interceptions on the season. Carlisle with two. And then five players tied with one interception each. Can you name mm. all five of them Kyle? Probably not. Um, Rakestraw? He had one. Give me Charleston. Did he had one. Okay. Um, Hopper. Did you already name him? Hopper had one. Okay. I remember we saw both of those interceptions uh, in yeah. the first game of the year. Oh, There's two man. other players that each had one interception. Did Norwood have one? Norwood had one. There's one player left that had one interception. Oh, my gosh. Um, I'm trying to think if there's any D-line interceptions. I can't think of one. Any linebackers? I don't think Chad Bailey had one, did he? Mm-mm. No. Okay. Um, I don't know. I'll just have to say... Uh, Can he go five for five? I'll probably just guess like Jelani Williams or that something. That is correct. Jelani Williams was the fifth. Nailed it. Lots of interceptions on the season, though. Yeah. That's 10 right there. Yes, Blake Baker, thank you for coming to Mizzou. Oh, another thing that I said in the um, season preview was four wins is what it would take for me. Only four wins is what it would take for me to start thinking about what are we doing here Yeah. Um, with Coach Drink. And then I said, eight wins, you sign him to an extension immediately. They did that. They did, with not eight wins, but I'm still on board with all of that. Mm-hmm. Um, back to defense though. Uh, overall, I think there was a few, I mean, obviously the Tennessee game was a disaster, but what are you gonna do there? Outside of that, I was pretty impressed all the way through. There were times where they desperately needed the offense to do something to just kind of show we're not out of this. Yeah. But to to the defense's credit, they never really outside of Tennessee, they never really gave up on a game. They never yeah. they never like showed what you see sometimes of like frustration. Oh, the offense is doing nothing for us, so what are we even doing? Yep. We're we're shutting this down. Yeah, it was actually pretty amazing that yep. they were able to kind of keep the effort intact yeah because i would i wouldn't have blamed him on and some of those positions where the offense was doing nothing all second half kept us in games we had no business being in really yeah well that's pretty well the the season in a nutshell yeah i mean i'm glad we kind of are putting a positive spin on this thing at the end of the year i mean obviously we could we could uh we could be in a lot worse places right now and um you know ups and downs some really brutal moments uh emotionally and just watching the offense be terrible there was there was some frustrating times but ultimately i i'm i'm, I'm all right where we're yeah where we're at i'm i'm just so thankful that we had good football to watch down the stretch because mm-hmm. early in the season we were watching some really bad games yeah. and like and all the way through the vanderbilt, vanderbilt game yeah. it was like oh my gosh this is ugly is this is this team ever going to be fun to watch again yes and they were thank goodness because we, this conversation would be going a lot different yeah. if that hadn't happened. But the, the what a change from that Vanderbilt game that was just two bad teams playing each other to the Arkansas game. <laughs> For both of those teams. Yeah. Yeah, honestly, uh, uh, an Arkansas win, even in like a disappointing season, can like salvage a lot for me personally. Yeah. I would just give me, that, give me that Arkansas win. Yeah. Imagine, I like... I'm trying to think when exactly the extension, the Drinkwitz extension was announced. I think it happened, like, was it the day after the South Carolina win? Yes, yes. Like a Sunday morning or maybe, yeah. a, I don't know, maybe it was the week after the South Carolina win. Yeah, I, I don't know. I wish, like, going back to right after the Vanderbilt game, be like, hey, uh, in two weeks, Drinkwitz is going to get an, an extension. <laughs> we would have been like, okay. Yeah, <laughs> that's not a good sign. And some people still thought that, but oh, there's going to be some people that always think that. Mm-hmm. Overall, though, I think it's what we thought was going to happen. And um, there was definitely a point in the season, though, where it looked like we were going to only get five wins and Brady Cook was had played himself out of the quarterback yeah. conversation for next year. Yeah, the bowl game looked completely out of the picture there for at least a week or two stretch. Yeah, yeah. Once we realized we're going to have we have to beat Arkansas or like Tennessee, which wasn't going to happen, but. 
oof, it was scary moments there for a minute. Pulled it out. But, uh, you know, next year could be the um, Pete, or not Pete, uh, Schrader scores, and Pete doesn't fumble, and the Nevis Kentucky the doesn't goal. That could well, have happened. Could, okay, yeah, Kentucky doesn't hit. get a first down. Yeah, no, like, insanely weird punt special teams disaster. I don't know. That'll probably happen every year. It seems to happen every year. <laughs> Something, some weird special teams thing that's like you can't even explain to someone if you're like telling them what happened. Yeah, like seeing something for the first time ever <laughs> in a Mizzou game. <laughs> Just inventing ways to yeah. lose. We'll probably that probably will never end. But you know, we'll uh, worry about that tomorrow. Yeah, 2013. All's well that ends well. They did. They did kick a field goal off the upright, but. Uh, still made it to the SEC championship game. That's all you can ask for. We'll be right back there soon, I think. I hope. I think so. Um, any any other parting thoughts? Anything we need to ponder? Probably. We'll have a lot. We'll have a lot of conversations this offseason. Probably way too many of them revolving around the quarterback position. Yeah. Be ready for that. That it then? Mm-hmm. Okay. Special thank you to our Patreon supporters at the $10 level and above. Britt Treese, Brian Smith, Ryan Demore, Tristan, Ben Smith, Parker, Daddy JD, Louis Hernandez, Tim Keens, Tyler Harsel, Brandon Graflo, Brandon Hanks. Thank you. Thank you, gentlemen. We truly appreciate you. You can find this podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. We are on Twitter at Mizzou Sports Pod, and you can email us at MissouriSportsPod at gmail.com. You can find our T-shirts and stickers on our online shop, MissouriSportsPod.BigCartel.com. If you're, at, if you're listening to this and you're going to be at the game on Saturday and you see us wearing our MSP gear, feel free to come say hi. We'll probably be in the nosebleed somewhere. We'll be way up high. Just look up. You'll see We're us. We're going to try to be there early, you know, really take in all the sights and sounds. But if you see us and you want to say hi, we would that'd be great. We'd love that. Come on over. Thank you, everyone, for listening. We will see you next week after a win. Mm.